sure what, good evening from my side also. Just what a privilege it is to get to share the word this evening. And thank you, Jono, sure, for that kind introduction. I'll ask for the recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it feels extra special just considering that it is Reach Week and this is really one of my favorite times of the year that we just set aside to focus on mission and to just align our hearts with God's heart again. So it feels like an extra privilege this evening just to share the word as we end reach. And so to introduce our message for this evening, I want to be a little bit vulnerable or expose myself. So we live in a world where there's constantly new software programs, gadgets that's coming out all the time to make our lives easier, faster, to add value to our life. And it does if you get it if you understand it. If you don't, these seemingly things that add value to your life almost frustrates you, overwhelms you, and you just try and avoid it. And so here's the exposing part. For me, that thing is not even such a new technology or program, but it's Excel. <laughs> Guys, yeah. When someone sends me something in Excel or asks me to do something in Excel, I literally break out in this cold sweat because I'm so afraid of doing something wrong, the formulas don't make sense, what even, and then you try and merge things and I accidentally delete everything and then I don't know how to get it back and it just overwhelms me. But then someone will come, click, click, formula this and wow, amazing, it makes sense, it's in such a nice format, everything adds up. And then I see it, I see the value, I see what it does, but when I have to do it, it's just too hard. And so I've just kind of got to a place where I try and avoid Excel wherever possible. And in some way, that's kind of what happened to this mission that God has entrusted us with. It has kind of become what Excel is to me, overwhelming and a bit heavy. And so tonight, that's what I want to speak on. I want to speak about restoring joy to the mission. And in doing that, I want us to look at a scripture this evening from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21. But before we read the word, I just want to pray for us. Father, thank you for the privilege of just gathering around your word this evening, Lord. We invite you to come and minister to our hearts tonight. Come and speak to us through your words, Lord. We open up our hearts ready to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. So the scripture reads as follows, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is now a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so looking at the scripture, there's almost two points of summary, two themes, two things that we can highlight. And the one is, 
in Christ, we are made new. We are made in, in a new, as a new creation. We are reconciled to God, become the righteousness of God. And then on the other side, because of this new creation that we become, we are entrusted with this message of reconciliation. We become ambassadors for Christ. So we are made new, and then we receive or entrusted with this message of reconciliation. And looking at it like that, it's, it seems quite simple, quite easy. We can just highlight it from the scripture to the point where maybe we can even say, amen, there it is. You have made, been made new, and now you're entrusted with a mission. Thank you, goodbye. <laughs> But although it seems easy, or we can highlight it so easily from scripture, I think if I should ask anyone here this evening, if that is how you see this mission, easy and straightforward, you'd probably say no. This call to be ambassadors for Christ is probably one of the hardest things for us as believers. It overwhelms us, makes us feel insecure, and then we feel guilty, and it burdens us, and we end up just kind of disqualifying ourselves and avoiding it. This call to be ambassadors for Christ kind of became like this black ops special mission that is only for an elect few. There's only a few people who have those skills who go for this special training, and they can do it. They can do this mission, but it's not for me. It's just too heavy. It's too much, and there's no joy. There's no joy in this mission that we're entrusted us with. And why is that? Why is it that the mission that we can highlight so easily is so burdensome and there's no joy? And if we're brutally honest, it's because we have made this mission about ourselves rather than the one whose mission it is, rather than the one who gave us this mission. We have turned the mission into this labor, into this thing that we work at, we strategize, we unpack. We have made it about our shortcomings, our insecurities, what we're comfortable with, instead of a, a response to an invitation by the one whose mission it is. We have made ourselves the presidents or the kings instead of just the ambassadors called to represent the one whose mission it is. And then we grow weary and it feels heavy. And it just seems like work. I read this quote in a missionary book by Leslie Newbegin, who is a British theologian, but was also a missionary for most of his life in India. And he um, explains it or captures it so well. He said, there has been a long tradition which sees the mission of the church primarily as obedience to a command. It has been customary to speak of the missionary mandate. And this way of putting the matter is certainly not without justification, and yet it seems to me that it misses the point. It tends to make the mission a burden rather than a joy, to make it part of the law rather than part of the gospel. Yo, that last part, we have made it part of the law rather than part of the gospel. And that's what we've done. We've made it something that we just work at, that we strive at. And I wanna be clear with this, I'm not saying that we shouldn't equip ourselves with how to share the gospel, strategize for how we're gonna reach nations. That is necessary, that shows valuing the mission. What I'm talking about here is your condition of your heart when it comes to the mission. 
Is the mission under the law in your view of it or under the grace and the joy of the gospel? When you think of this mission, does it bring excitement? Does it stir something in you? Or does it just feel like something you wish you can avoid and actually not do? And trust me, I know, I really know the mission is not easy and we face hardships, we face challenges, we face disappointments on the mission. But when the mission lies under the gospel, the challenges that we face, the hardships that we face, it doesn't move the, the mission in our hearts. The mission stays a joy. Because we must know this, guys, this mission, this mission that God has invited us to, it is beautiful, it's exciting, it's liberating, it's filled with passion. Yes, fails and people, but it truly is the most exhilarating adventure thing we can say yes to in our lives. We must know that. And so I was thinking how best to describe this mission that encompasses all of this, joy, excitement, but also sometimes fear. And the best way to describe it I could come up with was a roller coaster. So with a roller coaster, you stand in this queue, you wait your turn, and as you're waiting, you have excitement in your heart. You have this adrenaline that's starting to pump, and you queue, and you get to the front, and you sit in that little seat and they strap you in, and then you start going. And roller coasters are mostly on those tracks, so it goes like ee, 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 and you, and you start climbing. And as you start climbing, the adrenaline excitement begins to change just a little bit. You start having a little bit of doubts if this was a good idea. You start looking around and you see how high you're actually going up, and you realize you're not in control, and then you get to the top, that, that top moment. And then you have a moment where you go, no, 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 this was a bad idea, where's the exit? I wanna get off. And then your face looks like in the previous picture, like that. <laughs> and that is what you experience. But then you go rushing down, and you get that hole up your mouth, those butterflies in your stomach, but before you know it, you're having the most incredible time of your life, hands in the air, experiencing this greatest thrill you can imagine, just like that picture. And it's this exhilarating, exciting, life-filled thing that you get to do. And that is the mission. That is the mission that we are called to. It's the most exhilarating thing that we can say yes to and that we get to be part of for the rest of our lives. Seeing people restored, to Jesus, seeing the broken find healing, seeing the orphan find family, the lonely set in community. It is the greatest thing that we can give our life to. And I know I'm going on about this, and I sound very passionate about this, but because I can testify tonight here to you that it has been the greatest joy, the most incredible, life-giving adventure in my life, saying yes to this mission of God. It has taken me across the world, as John has shared. It has taken me to moments of crying in despair over the brokenness of the world, but also dancing in the sea over one girl who gave her life to Jesus and got baptized. I'm passionate about this mission because I know that it has been the greatest thing that I have said yes to. 
And so maybe you sit here now and you think, yes, you see, Anna, you're one of those special ops people. <laughs> those few that should do this mission. You have the special skills, went for that training, and that's why you can do it. <laughs> that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. Um, Jono alluded to it in his intro, but I was a young woman working as a social worker at the Department of Social Development, just doing my job every day, and then I became part of this family, and through discipleship learned about this mission that God entrusted us with. And I said yes, and started making disciples, then going on a 10 days mission, like a lot of you guys have been, a lot of what you guys are doing. And on that mission, God spoke to me so clearly and called me. And in fear and trembling, and if I say fear and trembling, it was literal fear and trembling. I said yes, not even really being sure what I am saying yes to, but I heard God speak and I said yes. No special ops training, just a yes. And I had no idea what I was doing. And so on this mission that we went for a year, the first country we went to was India. And I remember landing in India and we're going out for campus ministry because we're gonna do, engage on campus. And I was nervous, guys, because I kind of signed up to do this mission without really realizing that I'm gonna actually have to do the mission. And so we're on campus and we get put in groups with locals and I got put in a group with two local girls and I remember thinking, yes, I'm okay, it's fine, I'm just gonna go with them, follow them, everything's okay. But to my horror, to my literal horror, as we start walking, they go, we are so excited to learn from you, we don't know how to engage at all. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and teaching us we are ready to learn. <laughs> I almost passed out. <laughs> but hey, now you're strapped in. You're on that roller coaster. There's no getting out. So fake it till you make it, hey? And so we go out and we approach the first people. And by God's grace, guys' words came out. The gospel was shared. These two local girls later felt encouraged and empowered for them to share the gospel. I had no idea what I was doing, but I just said yes. And then later in Mozambique again, as a campus missionary, having to pioneer a campus ministry, I had, I had never done that. How do you even do that? Um, but I remember in the first couple of weeks, being on campus, going to engage, and I had some Portuguese, but zero Bible Portuguese. And um, I remember going to this girl, Venia, and I sat down with her and I started sharing the gospel with broken Portuguese, having to mix some illustrations in drawings, which I'm also really not good at, hoping for the best. And at the end, she looked at me and with tears in her eyes, she said, I wanna respond. I want this Jesus that you spoke of to be my Lord and Savior. And on the inside, thank the Lord, I didn't do it, I literally had a response where I wanted to say, really? <laughs> that what I said to you now, it, it made sense. You understand what I was saying, the gospel. And that's the thing, God doesn't ask us to be special black ops, he just asks for a yes, and in that, God does the most impossible things 
through our lives. And that is the beauty of the mission. And so now maybe you're sitting here tonight and you say, that sounds amazing, Anna, and I hear you, the mission is great, but if I'm honest, that's not where the mission is in my heart right now. How do we change that? How do we make the mission a joyful thing again? How do we make the mission what we read in the scripture? Those two simple components. And it's by doing exactly that, going back to the scripture, going back to look at this mission and what it meant when God gave it to us. And in that, the first thing we do is we remember the joy of our salvation if we look at the scripture. Going back to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And then verse 21 says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Preaching the gospel to ourselves every day, remembering what it cost Jesus Christ, that restores the joy of our salvation, and that restores the joy of the mission. David wrote about this also in Psalm 51, verse 12 and 13. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Remembering, remembering the joy of our salvation, the place where Jesus saved you from, restores joy. And I often, I often do that. I often think about sure, where, the mission, where Jesus found me. As a 17-year-old girl, feeling abandoned by my father, no identity, no worth, and because of that, just getting into the wrong crowd, getting addicted to drinking, smoking, self-harm, just looking for anything or anyone to fill that emptiness, that void that's in my heart, but Jesus. Someone shared the gospel with me and thank the Lord that it changed my life forever, because when I think about the trajectory of my life and where it was headed and where I would be today, I feel deeply grateful. I feel deeply grateful for the gospel and that someone was willing to be on that mission to share that gospel with me. And that makes me literally say I would do anything, go anywhere if it means one girl, one 17-year-old girl that, was where I, that is where I was, can know the gospel, can know the love of a heavenly father. Remembering your salvation, remembering where the gospel saved you from, that restores joy in the mission. That, that makes us say yes, the price that Jesus paid on that cross. Because the thing is, there's a ripple effect to the gospel. There's an inevitable ripple effect of the gospel in our lives. There's a ripple effect to experiencing that true grace. When we experience it, it doesn't just make us sit and contemplate and talk about what happened to us. No, it makes us want to proclaim it to anyone who will hear. Remembering the joy of your salvation restores the joy in the mission. And then secondly, valuing the eternal significance of the mission. Again, going back to the scripture we read earlier, in 2 Corinthians 5, 
verse 19 and 20, it says, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Ambassadors for Christ. Being an ambassador for any country, it's one of the greatest honors. You get to represent that country, that president of that country. And here God is, and he's making us ambassadors of his eternal, everlasting kingdom, making his appeal through us. Guys, God could have done anything to share his gospel. He could have used any mission. He could have spoken audibly to people from heaven. And yet he gave that to us. He gave that eternal mission to us. And what a mission we get to be part of. And is there any greater purpose in life that we can give ourselves to than seeing people restored to God? Is there any purpose greater than that? Is there any human pursuit that will cry or speak louder or echo louder in heaven than this, than this mission that we have been given? And it's important, we need to keep this eternal mission, this eternal picture in front of us because we so often get stuck in the process and we focus on the process of discipling people, being in the mud with them, struggling, seeing our disappointments, the rejection we might experience and being stuck in the process, then we lose sight of this eternal vision and our joy is lost. And I read a story again that just explains this, what happens so easily. Um, someone told it to me or I read it, I can't remember, but the story goes there was a guy who walked past the construction site and he saw them building something big. And so he was curious, so he saw a few workers there and uh, he approached the first worker and he asked him, what are you busy with? What are you doing? And the guy barely looks up and he just says, I'm chiseling stone and he goes back to work. And so the guy, still curious, approaches the second guy and he asks him, what are you doing? What are you busy with? And this guy also, he doesn't really look up and he just says, I'm earning a living. And so still curious, the guy's like, okay, I'm gonna give it one more chance and he goes to one more worker and he asks him, what are you doing? What are you busy with? But this time the guy looks up and he looks him straight in the eye and with a proud face he says, I'm building a great cathedral. All three guys doing exactly the same job, working. Only one saw how his role fit into the bigger, more important vision of what they were building. Who do you think experienced joy in their, in their job? The one who saw the bigger picture, the bigger vision. And that is what we need to do. We need to keep this vision before us at all times. And what is this vision? What is this eternal purpose that we are working towards? And it is captured so beautifully in Romans 7, verse 9 to 10. And it says, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne before the lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Yo, what a vision. What a mission that we get to be part of. 
And I remember the first time that I understood this mission. It was in 2015, and I was in Israel. It was before I had the opportunity to go to one of our Every Nation Go conferences. And I was there over the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, but there was a Christian Thanksgiving prayer worship moment in the desert. And I remember standing at the back of the crowd with a stage in front on a slightly higher hill and just looking across this crowd and seeing flags, people of every nation, every tribe worshiping God together. And I remember in that moment hearing this small whisper in my heart saying, this is what heaven is, is, is meant to be. This is what, this is my picture. This is my heart. And this is what I'm calling you to help build. And I remember crying in that moment because of the beauty, but more because of the conviction, because of the honor that I felt that I get to be part of building that picture, that eternal vision that God has for heaven. We need to hold on to the bigger eternal vision of the mission that we are busy with and not get stuck in the process. Because seeing the bigger vi vision, seeing the fact that we get to be part of God doing the, the impossible through us, that restores the joy of the mission. And so the mission is a joy because firstly, we are saved by the mission. It is through the mission, for the mission that Jesus came and he paid the highest price for us and we are saved through that. And then secondly, and it doesn't end there, we get to be part of this eternal mission of God restoring others to him, restoring others to his eternal kingdom. So the mission is a joy. And the result of the mission being a joy in our lives, the result of that will be people encountering Jesus, lives transformed. When the mission is a joy in our lives, we will see our communities change. We will see the places where we work transformed. We will see, we can see our governments, our nations and the nations beyond be transformed when the mission is a joy in our hearts. We are saved by the mission, for the mission. And what an incredible thing we get to give our lives to. So I want us to respond to this this evening. I want you to take a moment and just speak to the Lord. Perhaps you're here this evening and you have never thought of yourself as part of this, of this mission. You've either, either disqualified yourself because you think you're not good enough or you've just never seen God's mission as yours. Won't you take a time and just speak to the Lord and ask him to show you the mission that he does call you to be a part of because all of us have been called to this great mission. And just allow him to show you where he is calling you to in this mission. Or perhaps you're here tonight and you've been on this mission, but you've lost your joy. You've lost the joy in the mission. I want you to take a moment this evening and just lay whatever it is that has caused the mission to be a burden in your life before the Lord. And then just allow him to restore joy by remembering your salvation by remembering the eternal significance of the mission we get to be a part of. So you can take some time and just personally talk to the Lord
So do you, we just want to pray into that. So I want to encourage you to keep your eyes closed. And if you feel that God is laying it on your heart tonight, God is restoring you. He's restoring the joy of your salvation. If, you, if you're sitting here tonight and you just know that God is calling you into a mission, calling you to do something specific, to act in a certain way, I just want to pray with you. And if you feel you want to respond to that what Anna shared this evening, I'm going to ask that we keep our eyes closed, but if you feel God is restoring you, calling you into something different, don't you want to stand in this moment? Just an act of faith saying, God, I don't know how it look, looks. I don't know what exactly is needed, but I know you're doing something. And I need you to restore something in my life. You know what's happening, Lord. You know the restoration that needs to take place in this moment. And therefore, we're turning to you, Holy Spirit. We pray, may you come and make yourself present in this moment. May everyone who's standing experience your closeness, your nearness. May they experience something of your, your peace in this moment peace that transcends all understanding. And Lord, I pray that you would fill them. May you breathe over them in this moment and fill them with your spirit. Ignite their hearts for what you've called them to, Lord. Restore them back into the men and the women that you've called them to be. And Lord, I speak now against any form of unbelief or disbelief, Lord. Any lies that tells them cannot be like this. It's impossible, Lord. We just stand against it now in the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, and we speak your truth over their lives, your will. We pray that they will experience the closeness and that you would speak to them and that you would open up their spiritual ears to hear your voice so clearly. But Lord, may you also give them the courage and the boldness to follow you. And as they follow you, Lord, as they act out of obedience, may you restore the joy of their salvation. May you restore the mission that you've called them to. For your name's sake, your glory, and your kingdom. We pray this in this moment, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you are doing something now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are moving. We honor you. Amen.